This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, the definitive look at all things outdoors in the true north. All right, we're checking in with Chip Lear, one of our very good friends, as we continue to get Well, we're just starting to get ready for fishing, but Chip, uh, this is a weird, weird year. I know that it's not the first time we've had weather like this, but I, I'm having a hard time remembering when it's been this cold this late. It's, uh, it, it, is, it is one to remember, and, and there's nothing more that I will like about this spring. There's nothing more I'll like about this spring than the point that we are, that we can look back at it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get through this and move forward. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, obviously we all want to be out fishing May 12th when the opener hits, but uh, I'm not confident at this point. Well, you know, it, uh, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, and I, I think it will come. I think um, it, it's really surprising how fast the ice goes out. We have, you know, we, we've had conversations in the past where we get nervous and, and what have you, but um, generally, I mean, if it, if it warms up, if it warms up and we get a little bit of rain, I mean, it'll come together and we'll have an opportunity to get out there. Now, I'm not saying that we may not be dodging an iceberg here and there because I think that's uh, every every day that, that we see white on the ground that, that uh, becomes more of a reality but I think uh, I think we'll have some open water somewhere we'll have an opportunity to fish um, whether it's on top of the ice or in a boat you know a lot of people get very excited about that early uh, fishing up and rainy and uh, obviously that's been hampered by this weather yeah, a little, it's slowed things down a little bit but there's still being some, some fish getting caught and I think that's uh, and that's the, the one thing that excites me about you know lake opener um, in our particular region is generally late ice years ice that I, the water has been cooler is uh, at least in my mind has been some of the some really good good fishing um, on lake opener so hopefully that holds true this year and we're just uh, we're going to hold out we may miss a pre walleye season panfish bite in the meantime but. When it does open up, it'll be uh, we, we better be ready to go. There's going to be a lot of fish to be caught. <laughs> well, typically when we get the, the late ice out, that 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 has changed the pattern for um, for the spawning, and that means the fish may not be where we typically would find them on the opener. There's there is that, and there's always that risk. I also know that, um, and and I'm not a biologist, but I do understand that on years that you know ice prolongs itself and spring prolongs itself nature nature pushes itself forward and, and fish will move into these areas based a little bit on on time of year and and i don't know if it's based on daylight or, or just time of year but i do know that that the fish know that they need to spawn early enough in a season to give uh give their offspring any kind of a, a chance to get through summer and big enough to get through the next winter so um just as just as uh, other animals do, they're gonna they're gonna push push their spawn forward, and regardless if there's ice or not, whether the conditions are ideal or not, I guess is really what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of miraculous when you think about how complex it is and how it all kind of works itself out eventually. That's one of the things we love about nature. It's kind of a reminder about life in general. The, the, the conditions are never perfect. Um, they are what you make them, and a lot of times you're just doing the best to make the best out of what you have. Well, eventually there'll be a, there'll be that uh, national walleye tour going again. Are you involved in that again this year? Absolutely, we're I'm really excited about this season. In fact, uh, the the first event, Mississippi River Red Wing Minnesota, is taking place the week before 
Minnesota's fishing opener. You know, those boundary waters have an open walleye season between then. So we'll be kicking it off. Uh, the first two days of competition are actually that Thursday and Friday before Minnesota's walleye season, so the 10th and 11th of, uh, of May in Red Wing, Minnesota. Now, uh, we talk about interesting conditions. If the ice breaks free and there's a lot of runoff, and it could be, uh, it could be an interesting first event of the season on, uh, on the Mississippi. Well, walleye is actually a river fish. We are so used to fishing them in lakes. Is there anything different about the way we approach them if we're on the river? Um, a little bit. I guess, I guess the one thing I like about river fishing is, is most often there's, there, if there's fish that are out towards the, regardless of the time of the year, you can always generally try to get over top of fish. You don't know, they aren't always at a horizontal uh, um angle so a lot of times you can get right over top of them and hold baits in front of their noses for a longer period of time that you can do a lot of times in in rivers that you can't do um in in lakes the other thing that i I think is interesting about river fish is that if uh, if you've ever fished a a wing dam or anywhere that the fish are are holding out they tend to be very quick to make a decision so if, uh, if if a food opportunity goes by in other words your your lure goes by they make a decision to to eat or not eat instantaneously. So a lot of reaction bites take place in those situations too, which is anytime you can force a fish into making a decision helps pick up the pace of your uh, your fishing day and either makes you successful or switch up uh, presentations to, to get that way. So how many anglers are we expecting for that first event? Oh, my gosh. Uh, Red Wing, Minnesota, in, in, if history proves itself in walleye tournaments, Red Wing will be a very large event. Um, I'm going to guess somewhere, you know, somewhere over 125 pros. Wow. Uh, I would I would anticipate for that event. It could be it could be north of 150. Um, it's, there's a lot of really strong walleye clubs. There's a lot of really strong river rats down in that area that that love to uh, what you know the term is jackpot. They love to jump in with uh, this tournament circuit and try to steal the you know probably close to a hundred thousand dollar first place prize that we're going to have at that event. So. Um, it's it's it, it's a really fun fun event that way. It, it, it's interesting because there's there's some areas on the river that, that tend to draw a lot of boats and a lot of good history and tournament successes come from about a handful of, of areas. But there's always a few wild cards that uh, that hold that come up and somebody finds fish in a new unique different place and that's what makes tournament fish and tournament fishing. Absolutely. Based on what you saw last year, um, who who do we watch this year? Who's uh, up and coming? Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of really good anglers there. I mean, I, I think that I don't know if there's. I think that one thing that we we've, we've seen happen in the world of walleye fishing is that there's nobody that is outside of a, a young Corey Springle. Um, he's probably one of the, the, the most up-and-coming younger anglers that are out there, and he's not that young. I mean, he's still, you know, he's around 30, early 30s, something like that. So um, he's probably the hottest thing that we've got going in the walleye circuit. I think what you're watching happen in, in walleye tournament fishing is the old guard, the Hall of Famers, the Parsons, the Cavayas, these guys, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a generation of those that are that are I don't want to say at the tail end of their careers, but they certainly they they probably are. There you know there's a there's a limited number of years that they're going to compete moving forward. Um, there's a few guys that are in the middle of their career. They're the Jason Shakurits, the Mark Courts, um, the the Tommy Scarlets. These guys that are 
really at the at the at the peak of their game in the middle of the of their but the vast majority of these guys are, are all younger fish and walleye tournaments for less than five years, so they're really just getting their feet wet, and we're starting to see some of these these guys emerge, the Ryan Buddies of the world and, and Zach Jobs of the world and some, some up-and-comers that, are, that, that really are, are diligent, incredible anglers, um, and we're seeing them kind of come to the higher. But it's, the competition is so tough that nobody has, seems to have the ability to get in there and dominate for multiple events during the year. Yeah, that's it. It's uh, it's a very competitive thing. It's, it's kind of like what golf has become these days. Uh, there's a lot of guys that are really, really good, uh, but nobody's winning three or four in a row. And I think that's what, what's fun about walleye fishing right now, and especially competitive walleye fishing right now for myself, is that with as many new anglers as we have and getting to you know some new places and some old places with changing fisheries um, in terms of, of, of fish and their patterns and what these fish like to eat, you're seeing new patterns develop and tournaments are getting won um, in different ways on, you know, traditional bodies of water. And that's what's, that's what's really fun about the circuit right now is that there's no barriers or no preconceived ideas of, of how a tournament or a, on a certain body of water is going to get won. Somebody's thinking out of the box. And we're seeing that, you know, the, the, we're seeing that even outside our, our door here. I mean, where people are using ice lures um, or you know vertical jigging swimming baits uh, like like puppet minnows and what have you for for walleyes in the summertime. We're seeing that on on our area here. I mean, we're, I think it's a pretty exciting time just in fishing in general as people are pushing the outer limits and no longer satisfied with the standard jig and minnow presentation or a standard you know uh, spinner crawler presentation in the summer they're they're looking to new and different ways to to catch fish and there's there's no boundaries i mean you can do whatever you want if, you, if it catches a fish and works you go with it more of the great outdoors with kev jackson next on paul bunyan country outdoors I don't care what the weather is, it's still time to talk fishing. we got one of the best with us today, Chip Lear. Put on your Northland tackle hat for a little bit. Uh, anything new and exciting we need to be uh, looking at for this spring when we load up our tackle box? Well, there's, there's two things, and one can get used as soon as the ice goes out, and this is a whole new series of tubes called the Tough Tube uh, from Northland, the Mimic Minnow Tough Tube, and it's it's a really unique, it's a you've never seen a tube bait like it, and there's a, there's a couple of different reasons why. The Main reason is one of the reasons is is it actually has a print on it. So is look at a crankbait. Crankbaits have patterns on the sides. Every tube that you've seen um, basically is either some sort of solid color. It's got glitter mixed in, or maybe it's a laminate. It's got a couple different colors that are are uh, pasted together or layered inside of the tube. This is actually has a pattern on the outside of it. So it has. Um, it has some really unique fire tiger type looks to it, or it has uh, colors that evolve and change during the length of the tube itself. So it's, it's much, much different than anything you've ever seen before. Secondly is the material. Instead of being a plastisol like a normal tube, it's actually made of uh, a silicone. So it's super stretchy and durable. That's why they call it a tough tube. So it, one tube will last you an extremely long time, where in the past, if you threw, threw a tube, you know, you'd get a few fish out of it, and then it would start to rip, 
and you'd have to replace it. This one is not going to rip, and it's going to last a really long time, and that's that's really cool. And catching fish because it's, uh, it's impregnated with some impulse on top of that. That's that's the neatest thing we've got going in the spring. Works great. I've done a lot of research with it last year for uh, both panfish and then later in the summer some trout. But panfish in particular did really well because of these unique color patterns that are available there. The other thing that is really cool this coming season is a is a new spinner blade that is called the butterfly blade. The one thing we, we've utilized, we've seen great success in the past, trolling for walleyes with spinners and crawler rigs and putting a leech on the back or a minnow on the back. We also have seen an explosion in these slow death rigs, a little bit slower presentation, larger, wider, thumping action. In between there, there's a little blade, and it's called a butterfly blade, and it's a unique presentation um, that allows you to go at a snail's pace. And I'm talking down to like a quarter mile an hour. So you can pull, pull a bait, tip it with a crawler, a leech, or a minnow, whatever you have. You can use a slow death hook. You can use a regular uh, hook for, for a minnow, what have you, and, it, and go extremely slow and get rotating, slithering uh, blades out of this butterfly blade and, uh, and entice fish at a much slower rate because there's, there's certain times to go fast and make big thumps. There's other times we've learned that we need to go a little bit slower, give the fish a little bit more time to react. The neatest thing about this butterfly blade is that it's, it's actually made of a material that is clear. So it's, it's, it's like a, a, plastic, a plastic type of blade. So it's unique in the fact that you can see through it. And the fact that it is transparent that way allows for 3D coloring. So there's colors that come from the inside of this blade that when you put those clear blades with colors on the inside of it, underneath the water and then rotate it, it, it creates illusions that fish have never seen before. So um, it's, it, it really is a added weapon in the world of searching out and finding walleyes in the summertime that we have not had access to in the past. And that's uh, I've played with that for the last couple of years now, and that, that's really proven to have a place in my tackle box. So how long does it take from the time the idea glimmers to the time it's available for me to buy? What's the process? How long does it take? It depends on the project. I mean, I think that they're, you know, working with Northland is really fun because there's a lot of guys inside the building that care deeply about the products and getting them built and getting them built correctly. So there are some products that, you know, you naturally just make the right decisions and the right uh, in the right steps, and they all kind of come in order, and something can go from concept to reality in a few months. The other side of the coin is there's other ideas that have been concept and have been batted around and adjusted and tweaked and for years and years and years, and you hope that at some point you get it, you get it right and it, uh, and it really does what you think it can do, or you know, at, there's other ones that you just, you know, you may put in a couple of years of research on and, and uh, testing on and just it doesn't do what it's supposed to do and, and it's not going to end up to be a, it, as vital of a fish-catching tool. The one thing that is, is about Northland that is really unique to the company is they aren't, they, they don't take a real shotgun approach. They don't, uh, they aren't coming out with hundreds and hundreds of, of new items every single year and, and in hopes that, some of them work and catch fish. They really refine what they build. So uh, working with the team, what we'll do is, is we'll sit down and, and there'll be a number of ideas on the table. But every year 
it all escalates into one primary idea that we're, we're all in agreement on, that this product right here is going to make people catch more fish and make them more productive anglers. And if that's the case, then everybody's all in on refining that one to the best it can be before it goes to market. So um, there's a lot of steps, and it can be, like I said, uh, the, the short story is it can be a few months or a few years. How many guys do you have out there testing? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it's different for every product because I think that there are products that that um, are, are kind of unique and it may only be you know four or five or six people putting input on, and there's other products that are a little bit more um, uh, intricate, and they may end up to be a, a little bit larger pool of, of information. Um, and it also comes down to people's, uh, you know, where people are comfortable in their expertise. There's some, so you try to, you know, I know I know that everybody at Northland is trying to utilize the people that are the most proficient at a certain uh, a certain aspect of of um, whatever that product is. Somebody that's if if it's a if it's a spinner, right? You've got people that are very adept at, at utilizing spinners to catch fish, and you want as much input from them as possible. So you just try to pick out the the best of the best, and then. Um, in their given profession. So um, outside of tackle, what else is out there that, that you're curious to try out this year? Oh, there's a couple of things. Um, I mean, tackle tackle is really fun because tackle is the, is the new tools in the box. I think that's probably, um, for myself at least, I think that is, and I, and I have to laugh about that because it tackles the new tools that are, are in the box. Those are the ones that we like to use because we're always looking for a new way to get a reaction out of a fish. That's really cool. So on the other side of the coin, which one of the things that I'm excited most about but I also dread slightly <laughs> is all the new developments in electronics uh-huh. as I push myself to try to keep up with everything that these things can do. I know. <laughs> I'm telling you, it is uh, – it's – it's a lot of work. Um, I, 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 fall, I fall back on um, as excited as I am about all the new developments and the, and the screens getting better and the, 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 all the different things we can do with the electronics. Just the understanding the basics of each and every one of them and how to use them uh, proficiently is, is really key in terms of being able to, to catch fish and not waste my time working on electronics. I want to spend my time catching fish and not tweaking my electronics. So I think that uh, it, those developments and trying to keep up with that is, is exciting because it, it does help me catch more fish. It's, sometimes it's a little hard for me to stay up to speed. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, there, there's a lot of people trying to get you to try something uh, new all the time, and uh, it probably takes some work just to you know, get through everything and, and, and note what's good and, and what's not. Well, no, and it's, it's, it's much like the new new tackle we you know in the tackle business you I mean what you what do you want to hear you want to hear that if i tie this on every fish in the world is going to swim across <laughs> the lake to eat it that's what we want to hear the truth of the matter is um you've got to get over fish first and i think that you know as as people evolve as anglers that is that is one area that can't be there is no shortcut there's no shortcut to understanding a fish, behavioral movements, how they react to wind, weather, forage, uh, all those things uh, come into play on where a fish is located. And, and as we head out there this, you know, this, this year, I think 
as much as important it is to get the boat ready, the rods rigged, and, and the new tackle tied on, it's just as important to spend some time online looking at the computer and doing a little bit of research about where you're going fishing, understanding your fishery. Most importantly, understand whatever fish you're chasing in that lake, what does it eat, when does it eat, how does it eat, because those are all things that will help you determine what new lures to take out of your box and tie on the end of your line. Because those basics of where a fish lives and how they react and how they eat will will help you determine whether you want to throw a tube that bounces off the bottom or if you want something with a spinner that rides up and off the bottom and maybe in, in the middle of the water column somewhere. Those, that, that, how do you make that decision if you don't know what the fish is feeding on? We have, of course, a growing problem throughout, you know, virtually all the waters in this state. Not all of them yet, but we're hearing more and more having various AIS issues. Is that anything that uh, a tackle manufacturer can deal with? I mean, we're seeing clearer water, more finicky fish. We're seeing some changes on Winnie, for example, in that regard. Is there any anything you can do about that? Well, I think that we all... As, as fishermen, there's lo- there's lots we can do. I mean, right. you know, just practicing the clean, drain, dry principles um, are, are really key. Understanding that of all the lakes in the state of Minnesota, less than 5% have aquatic invasive species. There's less than 5% that have been affected by something that from that, that is not natural to that lake. So it's really important that we protect the 95 96% that are clean right now. That and this this war is far from over, and we want to slow it down because it isn't. You know, it, it, nature does take care of itself. Yes, this is a true argument, but the long, the, the real truth of the matter is, is that we don't know what that course of action is going to look like. We don't know how lakes evolve long term with these challenges. So. Um, you know, a tackle manufacturer's responsibility is, is to, you know, remind the anglers of how precious the resource is, remind them to take care of it. Um, from a from a fish catching standpoint, you know, it a lot becomes, you know, instead of of lures that have a lot of, you know, vibrant uh, fluorescent and, and phosphorescent colors involved in them, you know, the clear water, you, you tend to use more things that reflect more. So you end up using more more blades and more metals and more silvers and more golds and more things that reflect so to try to get a fish's attention. Because in clear water, they can, they can see light flash and flimmer. They can still hear the vibration, but the color becomes much less of an issue versus some sort of light flash, which, uh, which, which, which makes a big difference there. So I think it's just a matter of how you want to approach approach the fish from a tackle standpoint. That was a really important stat you threw out there that less than 5% of our waters have been invaded because I, I didn't know that. I, I would have thought it was more, and a lot of people may have thought that as well and, and were ready to throw in the towel, but uh, obviously that's not the case. No, this is this is far from over, and, and this, is a, this is a topic that's really important to me personally. Um, I, I, I just don't I don't like the defeatist attitude of it. I, I think we've got a long a long ways to go, um, and I it, 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 I'm fearing I, I, I have I have great faith in nature. I've got great faith that our lakes will eventually take care of themselves. What I what I'm fearful of is you know all the changes that a body of water has to go through once it is infested. We don't know. You know, we we generally know what happens, but we we really don't know the full course of of how it will evolve and where it will go. And you know, and and 
we've got a pretty special place right here. We, I don't want to see it change, and I certainly don't want to change the traditions that I have. Um, I don't want to change the, you know, I like swimming without, uh, you know, aqua socks on. <laughs> I, and if a lake filled with zebra mussels, it generally means you're going to have to put something on your feet so you don't cut them. Um, that's not something I want in every lake, right? And, and you're going to watch lakes, you know, clear up, and you're going to, and, and, you know, zebra mussels can clean, clean up a body of water, and water will get much clearer, but eventually they choke themselves out, um, and it kind of goes through evolutions of change. Now, where all this goes, we don't know. Um, but I'd, I'd like to keep it as clean and pristine as, uh, as it was when I got here. Okay, good, good points. One final question for you. Big change in the northern regulations in our neck of the woods, uh, um, and that means we can catch more northerns, but, and hopefully down the road, if we, you know, if this works out the way they think, we'll have a lot more trophy northern lakes. Well, there's certainly a, uh, it, it is, there's not the size of northerns here as there was when I grew up, and that makes me sound like a really old guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what do we got to lose? Let's let's go with it. Let's uh, let's 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 all jump on board and let's let's help clean out the smaller uh, northerns or on the lakes that they think need to get cleaned out, and let's uh, let's let's follow this and see see where it all goes. Because I mean, it, it, it's one of those deals. I mean, in, uh, regulations and managing our resources is something that we've all got to be in together. Otherwise, the whole system doesn't work. And I'm I'm all in on this one. I I love trophy fisheries. I love chasing big fish. And there's nothing more that would excite me more a few years from now than be able to chase trophy northern pike. And we need to encourage people to get out and take advantage of this to make it happen. But it's a, it's kind of a hard thing for some people to adjust to because they you know they they're kind of ugly. They're kind of slimy. They got a lot of bones, but if you figure out how to take care of those bones, this, this is a great tasting fish. It really is, and they pickle really good. Yes, they do. That's a and fact. which makes a great holiday gift for non-Minnesotans. <laughs> yes, actually, it's a great gift for Minnesotans too. <laughs> I'm with you there. <laughs> All right, Chip. Anything else you want to share with us before we wrap it up today? Um, no, I'm anxiously awaiting the melt like everybody else and uh, in the meantime if, if you want to get to to my website fishingthewildside.net uh sign up we've got newsletters that go out filled with uh, fishing tips and information and in, in fact just by signing up you get a chance to to win a ranger boats backpack so we'd love to love to have you sign up all right chip lear is joining me today talking all things fishing love talking to him chip thank you so much for joining us today thanks kev have a great day Check out Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors on Facebook and Twitter and subscribe on Podcast One or iTunes.